After practice, everybody gathered around the bench, grabbed their bags and headed off to meet their parents. I sat with my head in my lap waiting for everyone to disappear, or waiting for myself to. I'd rolled my jeans down, crinkled from knee to ankle, and I had put my wet shirt back on. Scoot over, dude, a girl voice said. I lifted my head and there was Patty. She sat down next to me and started unlacing her shoes, which, by the way, were also pretty dope. I looked straight ahead, out at the track, those stupid white lines teasing me like everybody else. Don't worry about today, Patty said sweetly. You ain't the first person to crash out like that. She eased her heels out of her shoes, and you won't be the last. I glanced over at Coach, who was standing off to the side, talking to Sonny, and the man standing next to Sonny, who I figured was his father. He looked like a businessman, grey suit, tie, beard, glasses, the whole get-up. I just wanted to beat him, to shut him up. I kept my eye on those white lines. I didn't want Patty to see whatever might have been showing on my face. Who, Lou? She asked, her voice brightening up, happy like this was some kind of joke. Don't pay that fool no mind. He just mad he, he albino. Now I turned to Patty because I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. Albino? Was that some kind of sickness? Was he infected with something? Or was it like he was in special ed? Because if it, that was what albino meant, then people probably thought I was albino too. Albino? I repeated. Yeah, she replied. She must have sensed I was clueless because she continued, wait, you don't know what albino is? I shook my head, then Patty shook hers. So it's basically when you're born without the brownness in your skin, she explained. That lady who'd be cheering for him all crazy at practice, that's his mother. The woman was my complexion, medium browned, and his daddy dark skinned. So I ain't no way he could just come out white. Feel me? That's albino. Somebody called out for Patty, a small voice. A little girl came running towards us. So yeah, ghost. Ghost, right? Patty said, standing up. Yeah, that's why Lou acts like that. Trust me, I know. I used to go to school with him. He was picked on crazy until he started running track. Matter of fact, kids used to call him ghost, Patty explained. The little girl had finally reached us. She threw her arms around Patty and squeezed tight. Ghost, this is my baby sister, Madison. Madison looked at me. Hey, Madison, I said. She did a weird wave, just jabbed her arm up and snapped down real quick. Then she buried her face in Patty's stomach. She was probably freaked out by my name. Okay, okay, let's go, Patty said, looking over at a white woman. Mumley's waiting for us. Then he looked at me and said, and before you start wondering if I'm reversed albino or something, me and Madison are adopted, so no need to be weird about it, okay? Oh, I wasn't... I... I stammered, trying to pretend like the whole reverse albino thing didn't pop right up in my head the second he called that white lady Mumley, which was obviously one of those mum nicknames like, I don't know, Ma or something. That's cool, Patty said, smiling. She picked up her bag and threw it over his shoulder. Then she bent down and lifted her sister, holding her tight to her hip, and they left. Once Patty hobbled past Coach, Sonny and his dad started walking with her. Sonny turned around awkwardly and threw his hand up in the air to me. Good job today, ghost, he yelled. And even though I would normally think this was some kind of slick way of making fun of me, 
The look on Sonny's face and the way his voice sounded made me think that he really meant it. So I waved back and said, nowhere near loud enough for him to actually hear me. Thanks. That left me in coach. When we got to his cab, I tossed my backpack on the floor in the back, slammed the door and lay down on the sticky leather. If you sit back there, I gotta treat you like a customer, kid, Coach said, starting the car. I didn't say nothing. Coach turned around in his seat and glared at me. Okay then, fine, I'm gonna run the meter. If you're gonna make me drive you home in silence, I might as well get paid for it. Still nothing from me, not a word, nothing to say. All I could think about was how stupid it felt to crash and burn on track like that on my first real day of practice and how Brandon Simmons would have laughed me off the planet if he was there to see that, and how I had finally beaten him up for talking smack about me and would have done it again, and how Patty said Lou was albino, and how she a white mo- she and how she a white mother, and ladders were the worst, four three two one one two three four, and water bottles, and how come I didn't know any of this, and how come everybody's shoes were so good, especially Lou's and Patty's and probably Usain Bolt's. I swear, I almost broke my nose. Kid, I'm in. I just clipped the hurdle and dove face first to the ground. Despite his riding in silence comment, Coach was blathering on, probably telling me a story, but I wasn't really listening. He continued, so I know what it's like to be embarrassed in front of your teammates. Trust me, nobody tomorrow will even remember it. I've heard that part, that tomorrow nobody would remember but I'm not sure if I believed it or not. But I knew that I could do what I could do to help the situation. In addition to the ladders, water bottles, white parents, albino thinking, I also thought myself up a plan. When we pulled up in front of my house, coach put the car in park. $20, he said, trying to lighten the situation. Coach, nah, nah, don't try to dash on me, he insisted. You done already robbed me for half a day's pay. But I paid you back already with all that sprinting I gave you earlier. I groaned. Coach did a double take. Oh, you thought that was for me? He pressed a finger to his chest. I shook my head and unlocked the door. After I got out, Coach rolled down the window. The car slowly drifted forward. Remember what I said, ghost? He accelerated slightly. Tomorrow it won't matter. It'll be a new day, a new chance. When I got inside my house, I didn't waste no time. I knew what I needed to do, and I knew that I had to do it before my mother got home and made me eat dinner and watch some sappy flick with her while she procrastinated doing her homework. See, besides working in a hospital cafeteria, she was also taking online classes. There were also textbooks in that big purse, trying to get her nursing degree. She always says she can't wait to one day trade that serving spoon for a stethoscope and this house for a new one, not in glass manner. But she hated homework. I guess I get that from her. I dropped my backpack on the couch and headed straight for the kitchen. The drawer next to the stove was where my mother kept leftover duck sauce, soy sauce, chopsticks, menus, tape, screwdrivers, and most importantly, all her coupons, organized and paper clipped by product. Seemed like everybody was having a sale on ketchup, which was a good thing because ketchup always made cafeteria food taste better, way better. Along with the coupons and all the other stuff were the scissors she used to cut those coupons. 
These weren't just regular scissors though. Nope, these were hospital scissors. At least that's where my mum got them from and they were big and shiny and heavy. Like if a doctor got to cut somebody's arm off or something, he could just use these bad boys and snip, snip, bye bye arm, which was why I knew they'd be perfect for what I needed them for. I grabbed the scissors and sat down on the kitchen floor. Using one foot to press against the heel of the other, I pushed my sneakers off. I yanked the laces out of both, so the floppy tongues fell forward like drawbridges coming down out of a beat-up leather no-name fortresses. Because, here's the truth, I was still so angry about what happened on the track. Embarrassed, there was so much noise inside of me, so much of everybody's laughing. So starting with the left shoe, I took those big scissors and began cutting and cutting, performing my own kind of surgery, the blades soaring and slicing into, my, into the black leather until the high parts of my high tops were gone. Chapter 5, World Record for the Most Runaways in a Single Day I wonder if doctors ever cut off somebody's arm or leg and afterward realised that they made a huge mistake like totally blew it, because that's definitely how I felt about low-topping my high tops, but not until I got to school the next day. I was cool with my new shoes when I first did it, walked around the house totally hype about how much lighter they were, which would definitely help me out on the track. But when I heard my mum at the door, I took them off and quick threw them in my room. I didn't really think she would notice that I cut my shoes in half, because she was usually so beat when she got home, she never noticed anything but the couch. But still, I wanted to play it safe, just in case she was in a bad mood and saw that I pretty much just threw half the money she paid for those sneakers in the trash, buried under styrofoam containers, all streaky and stinky with brown gravy and French dressing. She probably would have flipped out and knowing her would have made me get the glue and the needle and thread and the stapler and some tape and made me try to fix them, all while giving me the speech about the value of a dollar. And that would have been even worse than her yelling at me or punishing me. Shoot, maybe even worse than ladders. I was even still good with the shoes the next morning, which I was really happy about because a lot of times when you sleep on something, your sleep for some reason causes your mind to change. I don't know why, but it does. And when I woke up the next morning, wrapped in my blankets on the living room floor, opened my bedroom door, peeked at my shoes as if they might have come to life in the middle of the night, and thankfully was still all right with them. Even after I got dressed and put them on, I wasn't too worried because my jeans came down long enough to cover the raggedy top and make them look regular. What wasn't okay though, were my legs. They felt like they had been cut off in my sleep, stuffed with dynamite and hot peppers, and then reattached. So even though my shoes were covered, I couldn't hide the fact that I was walking like a senior citizen zombie, which I feared would draw unnecessary attention, the last thing I needed.